I love a good church sign. It's a fairly modern thing, but it's also very old-fashioned. I'm talking about the old school, put the letters up on the board uh, on the side of the road. I used to be at a church that had one of these, and somehow I became in charge of that. In fact, I, I, I love church signs. Someone gave me a book several years ago. It's called Church Signs Across America, and it's filled with some of the craziest little sayings. Some of the, uh, they're, they're hokey in a lot of different ways. And I want to give you at least four examples of that this morning of a church sign and some of those messages. Uh, here's our first one uh, from the Western Hills Church of Christ. Uh, Try Jesus, in quotes. If you don't like him, the devil will take you back. So you look at this sign and you think, okay, what are they trying to say? Uh, now, I, I like to think, I think they're just trying to be funny here. But what's the message, right? Uh, sign number two. From my book, um, this church said, Forbidden fruit creates many jams. Some of you are thinking about it. Um, but that would be a fun one to drive by on the way to work. Uh, sign number three. Uh, plan ahead. It was raining. It was not raining when Noah built the ark. What are they trying to say there? Uh, I have one more, I believe. Right, Josh? One more. Uh, uh, you just let you read. I don't even know how to say that out loud. But what's missing? You are. Um, what are these signs trying to say? When we have these kinds of messages, what are you trying to say? Every week when I get up here to preach, I ask myself, what is it I want to say that needs to be said. And we look at these and they're a little, they're a little hokey, right? Um, some of them are trying to be funny and some of them are, are trying to make a point of some kind. And we have to ask ourselves, what are they trying to say? What is the message? Now these signs and these messages say something, but what the message in the sign boards lack is the inability to live out what they say. So last week, we began this journey into the Gospel of John. We're spending the next several weeks here in this Gospel. It's the fourth Gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament. It's called the Gospel of John because this man named John wrote this story about Jesus Christ. It is the good news of Jesus Christ written by John. And John fills his, his Gospel story of Jesus in a unique way. He has what we call, what we are calling signs. He has filled his gospel story with these signs, these symbols, these alerts, if you will, these, these road signs along the journey through these 21 chapters of things that we ought to pay attention to. These signs that give messages, these signs that give warnings, these signs that tell us what may be coming ahead, these signs that give us direction. It's filled with these signs, and these are the signs to which we are paying attention to. Because in the very beginning, John writes, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see, from the very beginning of John's story of Jesus Christ, he sets up this idea of symbols and signs. Because the Word is the main character of his story, and that main character, the Word, is Jesus Christ. 
And this word to which not only do you open up and read as we are doing, this word quite literally comes to life when you open up the word. Because this word was not only there in the beginning of our days, he was there in the beginning of all days. And that word was not only with God, guess what? He was God. And God has been there from all things, and God came to be with us through all things. And this story is filled with these symbols and these signs. The signs of light, water, as our children's message went over, bread, the signs or the symbol of vision or sight, kingship, the cross, and the resurrection. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a couple of verses later, John wants you to know that that Word to which he says was there in the very beginning, verse 4 of John chapter 1, he says, that Word was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So what John does very quickly in his story is bring up the first sign, the first symbol to which we want to pay attention to. It is the sign of light, which we looked a little bit at last week, but this sign, this symbol deserves our full attention because light is more than just a sit back and enjoy. It's more than sun tanning. It's more about being involved with. And here's where I want to begin this morning. Light is an action word. Light is more than simply a noun. It's an action word. I'm going to be primarily in John chapter 3 and John chapter 12 this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles or devices over there, the Version Bible app will have my message notes there. If you go to more events, Heritage Church of Christ, you'll find all the texts that I'll be in this morning. Most of what I read this morning will also be on the screen behind me. Light is an action word. Light is used 73 times in the New Testament. 73 is what I counted. 23 of those uses in all the New Testament are found in this gospel alone. If you expand that to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the, the letters to which this author writes, that's 29 mentions of the word light, the word phos. And light... Well, it's a thing, sure, but more than that, the word phos means radiate. It's light as a source, but it's also light as an action. It's light as something that does and gives and shows and and, and promotes, but it's also something that sits there and helps, right? Light is more than just a noun to which we get to bask in its glory. Light requires action from us. Now, uh, this is not on the screen. It's in your YouVersion Bible app. I think Jesus gives us a really good insight into light being an action word in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. When Jesus is talking about you, He's talking about me, He's talking about all who hear Him, He says this, He has this declaration, You are the light of the world. Now, what's interesting about that line in and of itself is that the next following verses, when Jesus talks about himself, he doesn't say he's the light in the Gospel of Matthew. 
He says he's the fulfillment of the law, but not the light. Who's the light? You. Okay, so there's the noun, there's there's who we are, but here's where Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 5. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, light stresses an action that is required of those who want to be in the light. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word in Him, in the Word, was life. And that life gave light to all that were around Him. And John later goes on into the Gospel where he quotes Jesus as saying, I am the light with you now. Bask in the light. That's the Travis International Version. While He is here with you. There is action that is required more than just being in it. Jesus is encouraging and pushing those who are in it to live it, to give it, to show it, to shine it, to reflect it. Light is an action word. Because light doesn't just simply sit on its stand, Matthew chapter 5. Light gives light to everyone around it. So in a lot of ways... This light as an action word shows us, it helps us to see that more than just being someone who gets to say, well, I follow the light, I listen to the light, I'm in the light, you must be a person who lives. Action-oriented lives in the light. Okay, so let's turn ourselves to John chapter 3. Next week, I'm going to spend a lot more time in the first part of John chapter 3. The first part of John chapter 3 is Jesus with a man named Nicodemus. There is an interaction and a conversation there that is worth our attention, but that attention is next week. Where I want to spend this few moments this morning is at the end of that conversation. John chapter 3, picking up in verse 19. So Jesus has this conversation with this man named Nicodemus. And the conversation is... It's a friendly uh, uh, conversation, or maybe even a, a, a bewilderment from Nicodemus of exactly what Jesus is saying. And so Nicodemus has some pointed follow-up questions about life and water and baptism and the afterlife. And out of that conversation, John records John 3.16, which may be the most famous verse of the entire gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, and whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And a couple of verses later, out of this conversation, Jesus has this declaration. John makes this declaration. And he begins like this in verse 19. This is the verdict. So, out of those conversations, what has happened is, is there is conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus about life and about, about new life, about baptism that comes out of this conversation. What happens is, is we find out that Jesus is not one here to condemn. He's one to give life, John 3, 16. And out of that, if you take all this that's come into this conversation, we now have a verdict. 
We've, t- we've taken all the evidence. We've heard all the arguments. We hear all the things that have been said, and now we've made a conclusion. And John's conclusion is this. His verdict is this. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And they'll not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now the verdict, I think, is incredibly important. And there's a lot of reasons. I think, I think this is the main reason to which I want to start at the end of the Nicodemus conversation before we get into the Nicodemus conversation next week. Because the verdict helps us understand the conversation, I think, in its context. Because in the verdict, we find out that the light that John refers to in John chapter 1, verse 4, the light of life that has come into the world, has now come into the world. And that light has pushed up against darkness. Um, What John is saying is this. Uh, This isn't a simple church sign to grab your attention and make you laugh. This is life-altering, action-oriented, Jesus-centered truth. He's not just saying it. He's not just posting it. He's not just retweeting it. He is demanding action out of this verdict. That something happened here, now, because of this truth. Think about it. And look at these verses with me again. Think about all the action that is encompassing this verdict to which John has. Light has come into the world. Jesus, God Himself, the Word that was there in the beginning and was with God and is now God Himself, John says in John chapter 1, verse 1, has taken an action to come into this world. Action was involved for the light to be here with us. People loved darkness instead. John says. There's action to be one who orients himself in darkness rather than in the light. People hate the light, John says. The action of hating something. Come into the light, he says at one point. The action of being intentional and focused on where you are going and where you're going into. Come into the light. And finally... People live by the truth that come into the light. That life, as you and I probably most likely would agree, that life is not lived by sitting down and hoping things good happen to you. Life happens in our actions. Life is defined by what we do or don't do, by what we say or don't say. Action involved in our lives, and truth comes from that action. And what John 3, 19-21, most likely, or at least I think for us, shows it visually, this is how I'm thinking about it. Shows us a tug of war. 
You've played tug of war. Maybe it's been a long time, but you've played tug of war at some point in your life. Right? You have a rope. The rope's a thing. The rope sits there. And the rope is present. But the rope becomes something entirely new when action is involved. And so, two groups of people pick up the rope. And the rope is no longer a rope. The rope is something that people are fighting for, tugging for, pulling for, right? And so two groups of people on each side of the rope turn this thing into something else entirely. One side's pulling, the other side's pulling. Something's got to give, and you've been a part of or seen a tug of war, and there's pulling and there's pulling and there's pulling until someone falls or several people fall or until the rope is taken over. And here's what's happening in John 3, 19 through 21. There's a tug of war. This is the verdict. This is the truth. This is how John brings all this together. That light has come into the world, and now light and darkness are tugging at the rope. Light is more than just a noun. Darkness is more than just a noun. Light and darkness are pulling and tugging. They are in action-oriented words that are taking and trying for all the lives they can. And so light has competition. And that competition is also action-oriented because they are tugging just like light. So I think this is why Jesus says something like this in John chapter 8, verse 12. When he's questioned yet again about who he is, John uh, records Jesus simply saying this to the people in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if we take our tug of war, our rope visual a little further, I think Jesus is saying, hey, get on my side, we're going to win. Because light will take over. Light's action will overcome darkness every time. You know this, every time you flip on a switch, darkness is overcome by the light that comes into the room. And so we become people who are challenged by both sides of the tug of war. We become people who find ourselves not just innocent bystanders, but active participants on one of two sides of the tug of war. And it becomes an action-oriented life, and the question now becomes, which side are you pulling for? The light of the world, uh, Jesus Christ, the Word that was there in the beginning, it shines, John says. But more than that, the light moves. And more than that, those who find themselves in the light must follow and act. It's the only way darkness is driven away. It's the only way darkness is taken out of the equation. It's the only way to win the tug of war is when Jesus' followers act like light. Move more like light. Another way of saying that is reflect Jesus a little bit more. Let's turn over to John chapter 12. Later in the Gospel, 
John chapter 12 in particular, Jesus has entered Jerusalem for the final time in the Gospel of John. The final time means that His crucifixion is upon us. And so when Jesus enters into Jerusalem for the final time, there's something that happens here. Jesus is anointed by a crowd of people as king of the Jews, of Israel, of Judah. And so they celebrate his coming into Jerusalem. And then as you continue to read into John chapter 12, as Jesus enters in as anointed king, the first declaration, if you will, of this anointed king is to pronounce his death. He pronounces his crucifixion on the cross that will come in later chapters. Now, out of that, I I believe, out of that, that declaration, people begin to doubt. In fact, Scripture says that most people didn't believe Jesus. Verse 37 of chapter 12. Okay? Jesus enters... People are praising him, anointing him king. The newly anointed king, first declaration is, I will die by the hands of Romans on the cross. And now we have an uproaring of disbelief of what Jesus has said and who he is in the moment. Picking up now in verse 44. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. Jesus shouted to the crowds. If you trust me, you are trusting not only in me, but also in the God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Verse 47. I will not judge those who hear me and don't obey me, for I have come to save the world, not judge it. But all who reject me, and my message, they will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it, and I know His commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me. Jesus shouts. When was the last time your Jesus shouted? He shouts not because he is upset. He shouts because the unbelief is rising at such a pace in the moment that it is about to win the tug of war, if you will. That darkness is trying to, at its best, to overcome the light. And Jesus must now shout above the unbelief that is filling the room, the filling the street. <clears throat> the unbelief is rising to the surface and He shouts. But notice what He shouts. He shouts action. Notice the action to which the light that has come into the world says. 
He says, he shouts that his actions point to God. He shouts that his actions are light-centered or oriented. He shouts that his actions are saving-focused. He shouts they are not condemning-focused. He shouts that his actions are godly-centered. He shouts that his actions are eternal. He shouts over the unbelief with great truth that comes only from this concept, from this idea that light is an action word. And if you're going to be a light, then you better act like a light. And if you want to bask in the sun, you better be more like the sun. And the real tragedy of our day is being people who would rather find themselves holed up in a dark room saying, well, I get out in the sun every now and then. Rather than being people who orient themselves, center themselves, anchor themselves, plant themselves, hold themselves into the truth that brings this action that brings eternal godly life today. Too often, we allow unbelief to squelch our belief. Too often, we allow darkness to win the day. Too often, we quiet ourselves when we're uncertain. Too often, we allow darkness to be the guiding post rather than the lamp that gives light to everyone in the house. So two things to wrap this up this morning. Two action takeaways, if you will. First, walk in Jesus. Notice, I did not say walk with Jesus. I'm encouraging to walk in the Lord. Now, it's a subtle difference, sure. And it actually would be a lot easier to walk with because then, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do, would fit everything. But walking in Jesus would actually mean that what would I do here as light in Jesus, which actually doesn't really fit W-W-I-D-H-A-L-J-I, something like that, right? doesn't really come across the tongue very easily. But it's actually, I think, more biblical, more centered, and it actually reflects the truth of God, uh, John's Gospel. That you know what? Jesus is already with you. If He is your Lord and He is your Savior and you have given your life over to Him in the waters of baptism and you have been risen from the dead in in that watery grave, then God is with you. Jesus is with you. And guess what? It's now time to act. It is now time to move. It is now time to progress in the light. And that you will need is to be a person who is willing to walk in Jesus. A person who's willing to move more like the sun. The light that has come into this world. That's what he says in John chapter 12 verse 46. Jesus says, I've come as a light to shine in the dark world. 
so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Trust is an action-oriented word. And walking in Jesus is going to require a little bit of that. So, when was the last time you opened up your Scriptures? When was the last time you heard the voice of God in your prayer life? When was the last time you listened to Him in prayer? When was the last time you gave time out of your busy, busy schedule to pray and to be alone with God? When was the last time that you gave effort to the kingdom work? When was the last time you gave money to the kingdom work? When was the last time that you said no to something that was darkness-filled rather than light-filled? Because that is walking in Jesus. And secondly, and lastly, walk in mission. Walk in mission. Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. Chapter 12, verse 49. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. The Word that came to be with us and was God amongst us listened and obeyed into His mission by doing the godly things of this world. And He says, I know His commands. They lead to eternal life. And we ought to know His commands. And we ought to know the things we do lead to eternal life. Walk in mission. We've gotten a little lazy sometimes. A little lax. Sometimes we find ourselves a little, well, not willing to tug on the rope. Sometimes we find ourselves willing to put the sign out rather than actually live what the sign says. You ever um, come across a business that has a going out of business sign on it? God's church is going to go out of business unless God's people are willing to walk in the mission of godliness today. Church is on a decline. People aren't open to the church. People don't like the church. People think the church is filled with hypocrites. And the one thing I can say to that is, if the church doesn't want to go out of business, it better start walking in its mission. This better be a church that is willing to walk in its mission of godliness and eternalness that comes only from the sun that shines the light into each and every one of our lives. And so I end with this this morning. I end where we began in 1 John chapter 1. John says this, and I love the way he puts it, the way he describes it out of the NIV, but I want to end with this, make myself available in the back of the cafeteria this morning as we sing one more song here together this morning. You're invited to respond to God's Word in this place at this time. If you need this church, If you need me, you can find me in the back of the cafeteria. You can find me during our fellowship time. You can find me during Bible class. You can find me after Bible class. You can find me anytime you'd like to find me. But I want to invite you to respond to God's Word this morning. Are you living a light, action-oriented life? John writes this in his first epistle. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. 
If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, it'll purify us from all our sins. Let's stand together and let's sing.